0: Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Dad Magnifies the Lord, my soul. Magnifies the Lord. He has done great things for me, great things for me. Of His government, there will be no end. He establish with His righteousness, and He shall reign on David's song, and His name shall.
1: morning, everybody. Got a question for you. How many of you are ready for the snow? Anybody here? Look at you people. I asked first service, like the most unresponsive service in the world. And they all looked at me and went, woo! You know, how many of you are looking forward to a white Christmas? Anybody here? All right. Well, keep your fingers crossed. It looks like we might get what you're asking for. Hey, uh, I want to welcome you to our service this morning, especially if you are a guest here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, choosing to worship. We've got such a great morning of worship that is planned, and I trust and hope, especially if you're a guest here today, that uh, whether you're here by yourself, with friends or family, that today will just be a very unique and special time for you to worship uh Our Savior. Uh, If you would, I want to encourage you to take just a moment, all of us, whether guest or regular attender, to fill out the connection card that you'll see in the pew in front of you. If you are a guest, it is a great way to get connected here at Westgate. And uh, if you fill that out, what I'll ask you to do is at the end of the service to take it out to our main uh, lobby. And uh, we have a guest center that is there where you can exchange that card for a small gift. But most importantly, we've got some hosts that would love to answer any questions you have about the church to help help you figure out how to get connected here at Westgate. And so uh, please be sure to stop by and do that before you leave today. Regular attenders, again, the connection card is a great way to not only keep your personal information updated here with the church, but most importantly as well, uh, to fill out any prayer needs that you have on the back of that card. Our team loves to be praying for you and the things that are going on in your life, especially as we move into this new year together. And so uh, be sure to fill that out. and You can also turn that in uh, with the offering later in our service today. Uh, There are a lot of things uh, that are going on, especially this week as we approach our Christmas services. And so I'll simply remind you that the best way to be connected here at Westgate and to get information is to download the Westgate Chapel app. Uh, You can find that in your app store, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, and uh, you can stay up to date with everything that is going on, not only at the Christmas season, but also as we begin to move into the new year together. Uh, Again, I'm excited that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. And honestly, I think the best thing we can do right now is stand and find somebody you haven't said hello to yet this morning, greet them and welcome them to the service today.
0: worshiping together. Thank She is my portion, portion.
2: Jesus how we adore you for all that you are for all that we couldn't be and the gap that you filled healing that can only come from you resolution that can only come from you father you have this perfect plan and it continues to this day We get to see these miracles of you with us on this earth. And we are so grateful. Oh, how we adore you. How we glorify your precious name. We thank you that we can be here in this place to lift you up, to glorify that name above all names, the king of all kings. Lord of all Lords, our Heavenly Father Emmanuel, God with us. We love you, we praise you this morning and it is in your precious, holy and perfect name that we pray. Amen and pass them to the outsides. Thank you.
1: John mentioned we're going to take our morning offering uh, at this time, and uh, so uh, as you pass those, again we are just uh, thankful for your continued support of uh, the ministry here at Westgate, and also as we uh, seek to reach out into our community. And around the world, Uh, I wanted to mention, I know that for some people, end of year giving uh, is a big deal, and sometimes we give here in our services. Many of you uh, are signed up and you give online, uh, which is great, Uh, always a great way to do so. But uh, we also know that uh, when people are thinking about end of year giving uh, every year, there are people that want to come in at the end of the year and drop off a final donation. And so we wanted to just let you know kind of what our office hours are going to be the last week of December between. Christmas and New Year's. Uh, The offices will be open uh, that week from Monday through Thursday. Uh, Monday following Christmas will be open from 9 until about noon. Uh, There might be a chance somebody is here a little bit longer, but that will just give you a good window of 9 to noon, Monday through Thursday that week. Uh, And again, if you're going to mail in uh, a donation, they need to be postmarked by the end of the year. Uh, Mostly, we're just thankful for your continued support of what God is doing here uh, at Westgate Chapel and around the world to reach people with the good news of. The gospel. Uh, As we uh, jump in this morning, I want to encourage you to take a moment and pull out your notes. Hopefully, you grabbed those uh, as you walked in this morning. And as well, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn in them uh, to the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. We're going to be uh, kind of diving in there together this morning. The passage will be up on the screen, but if you've got your Bible or phone app, uh, you can open it up, and that is where we will be uh, residing this morning. If you've been with us over uh, the last few weeks, we've been in a series that's entitled All I Want for Christmas. And uh, typically, when we say that phrase, it brings up a couple of songs in our mind a Mariah Carey song, or All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. And we talked about the fact that when we hear this phrase, often what we think about is maybe two or three of the top gifts that we're hoping for at Christmas time. As we've gone through this series, though, what we've really been talking about is that in reality in life, there are often just a few things, key things that we're all searching for to fill specific voids in our lives and that we think will give us the fulfillment that we are longing for. And as we began this series, we started a couple weeks ago talking about our search in life for contentment our desire to find that place in life where we are content and have the things that we want There were two real things in the message that we drew out that I want to remind you about. One, we talked about the fact that we often in this life search for contentment by seeking to control our environment and to accumulate stuff in this world that we think will bring us the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment that our hearts are longing for. But ultimately, what we talked about is the fact that as much as we pour ourselves into the things of this world to find contentment in a broken world, it is impossible for those things to actually fulfill us, that we never quite find that which we're looking for. But we talked about the fact that when we believe that Jesus is better than the best things that this world has to offer, it is then that we find our true contentment. Last week, we also talked about the search for security, that in as much as we are seeking to find contentment in things of this world, oftentimes we're also trying to find security. Wanting to grip onto and hold on to things and not necessarily lose them, we search for uh, our security. At the very core of our search for security is a fear or a worry that we're going to lose something that we think is bringing fulfillment into our lives. And we talked about the fact, again, that nothing is secure in a broken world. We looked at the life of Herod together, kind of a maniacal, crazy leader at the time of Jesus' birth who would do anything he possibly could to hold on to the things of life that he thought brought him contentment. And he tried to find security in those things, and yet all of it seemed to pour through his hands like sand, making the point that there is nothing secure in a broken world. But as we looked at the Scriptures together, we were reminded that we can never forget That if we are looking and longing for security in this life and in this world, that it can be found in only one person. And that person is the person who controls all things, in whom has all power, the creator of the heavens, who not only created us, but also who cares for us in ways that are far too deep for words. That when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we find the security that our hearts are longing for. And today, as we jump in again and and wrap up this series together, we're going to be talking about the search for purpose, a search that I believe many people in this world, every person actually that lives and breathes on this planet is looking for, a search for purpose. Searching for some type of meaning for our lives, if you will, the why for why we live. Now, let me ask you this question: Have you ever noticed that sometimes in life we may come across things uh, and not really understand what their purpose is? Maybe you've uh, had somebody give you a gift, or you've seen something and you're not really sure what it is and what purpose it serves. I'll give you a few examples this morning. As I was looking on the internet, this first picture that you'll see is of a uh, little uh, towelette thing that you can get at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was Reading this past week uh, a story online about uh, two people who went uh, to Kentucky Fried Chicken together, got their chicken, sat down, and one friend was observing that the other one, the first thing they did was they grabbed this little moist towelette, ripped it open, and began to take it and wring it out over their chicken, dripping it all over it. And they're, they're looking at their friend going, What are you doing? Well, they said, well, if you look at the back of the packet, it says this. It says what? A hint of lemon. They believed that the hint of lemon right next to the pinch of salt meant that it was going to give lemon flavoring for them, right? They don't understand the purpose, and so you might do some crazy things. Uh, There was also uh, one thing that I saw of a grandma who had gone out and bought a new cross to put in her home, and she wanted her kids and family, especially her grandkids, to see it because she was like, it's the most modern cross I've ever seen. It's really cool. And as you look at the picture, that's right. This is the cross you hung. Now, some of you young people are laughing, why? Because this is not a cross, my friends. This is a sword from Minecraft, okay? And if you don't know what Minecraft is, Google it. It's a video game, but anyway. If you don't know what it is, you might mess up its purpose. Uh, Now, there's this next one, I'm not going to put a picture up here and you'll understand why. Uh, I heard another pastor that was talking about this example of a young boy who was in his house and as he was walking through the house, he found something of his older brother's that was sitting on the table and he picked it up and grabbed it and it was an athletic cup and he holds it up and he looks at the room and says, well, what is this? And nobody wanted to answer the question for him. And so as the kid is looking at it, what does he do? The most natural thing. He slowly, in slow motion, moves it towards his face and goes, it's an oxygen mask. I know, right? Right. Horribly disgusting. Uh, If you don't know what it is, you might screw up its purpose. Last one, I thought this was kind of funny. It was another grandmother who was excited to take her sunflowers from her garden and display them at home. And so she found this wonderful, uh, over at the uh, antique store, this wonderful sunflower vase, (laughs) also known as a bong in some places. But hey, you know, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Um, You guys get the picture, right? Sometimes in life, we come across things and we may not really understand what its intended purpose is, but here's the point. In your notes, if you don't understand something's purpose, you are, number one, likely to misuse it. As we've seen in some of these examples, there's a high probability if you don't understand something's purpose, you're likely to misuse it. But number two, you are also unlikely to find fulfillment from it. In other words, you won't understand its purpose and it will hold less significance to you uh, and you may not even really care about it. Now what I find is not only is this true of various gifts or items or things that we may come across or that may be given to us, but I believe this is also very true when it comes to our lives. If we don't understand the purpose of our lives, we will likely misuse them, and we will be even more likely to struggle to find true fulfillment and contentment from them. You know, it's interesting, uh, this really plays itself out when some studies that were done uh, by Lifeway Research. Uh, All of us in 2020, the year that we all want to forget, we went through a pandemic that caused us to not only uh, for a fair amount of time to be locked down in our homes, away from all of our creature comforts, and and really being isolated away from people, uh, we found ourselves in a time that none of us really enjoyed and that we would love to forget actually happened. Well, studies were done following 2020 and 2021 by LifeWave Research that showed that Americans coming out of the pandemic are regularly thinking about the purpose and meaning of life. More Americans than ever before in over a decade are thinking about the purpose and meaning of life. As well, the study showed that even more likely, Americans were more likely to contemplate whether they will go to heaven when they die. And this kind of makes perfect sense when you think about it. As we go through a pandemic, people are worried about this illness or sickness they could get, the potential of death. Many people, even in this room, know people that died from COVID. And more, our own mortality was literally put in our faces and on our TV screens constantly, And it caused people to really contemplate the question of whether or not they would go to heaven when they would die. But here's what's interesting to me. As much as people are regularly thinking about purpose and meaning or even contemplating whether or not they would go to heaven, the study showed that we are also less likely to believe that there is more to this life than the physical world. Studies showed that we are still less likely to believe there's more to this life than this physical world. In other words, while a large number of Americans still believe that there's an ultimate purpose to their life, a growing number of Americans exiting the pandemic have taken the fatalistic approach of believing that what we have may be as good as it gets. And this is kind of a sad experience. And what does this do? What does this do outside of God for us when we are trying to find our purpose in a world that is broken? What I find is this, is that there are many avenues by which people are trying to find purpose for their life outside of God. Sometimes it's in the pursuit of material wealth or prosperity that that will give them the the purpose and fulfillment that they're longing for. Oftentimes, it can be in a person's career. They pour their hearts into lives, into something that they enjoy that brings them a sense of significance or status or purpose. Sometimes we try to find our purpose in relationships with other people, that if we're in relationship with someone, it gives us a sense of purpose. Or maybe we find purpose in being invested in our children's lives. Other people seek purpose in altruism, using their life for the greater good of loving other people and serving others. And then there are those who really seek to find their purpose in doing good throughout the course of their life, hoping that what they can do and find purpose in is in leaving a legacy for other people to follow. But what's interesting with all of these different avenues by which we try to find purpose, what I find is this truth. When we ignore our God-given purpose for life, we will never find the fulfillment from life that our souls long for. Now, you may look at me and say, well, Pastor Rob, that sounds like a pretty bold statement. Like, it seems kind of strong. Surely, there are people who don't know God that find a sense of purpose in life and maybe even fulfillment from it. We think of people like athletes who reach the pinnacle of sports achievement uh, and fame. Maybe we think of people who find purpose in their work or something that they're good at doing. We might think of world leaders who reach the apex of power. And control, or philanthropists who use their incredible wealth to do good for others, or normal everyday people who simply find satisfaction in helping and serving other people. But here's the deal. While we might find a sense of purpose, I find that this is true, that for every person seeking purpose outside of God, there is a rude reality that we all wrestle with, that no matter how much good you do, no matter how incredible the accolades are that are showered on your life, no matter the wealth that you have accumulated or the power that you have obtained, it will all end in death. It has an expiration. And there's an even ruder reality than that. That ruder reality is that our names, our accolades, our accomplishments and good deeds, all of them will eventually fade from sight and they will take their place with us in the grave ultimately to be remembered no more you see what I find is that as we search for purpose in this world what each of our hearts is truly longing for is something that is lasting something is eternal because when we find something that is lasting and something that is eternal it is there that we find a much greater purpose And so while we toil in this world to find it amongst many different things that can never give what we hope they will, God patiently waits for us to come to our senses and to realize that the purpose of life that we long for, one that provides the ultimate fulfillment that our souls crave, can be found only through his son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want us to dive into Luke chapter 2 together. As we see that the birth of Jesus reveals to us the purpose of life that our souls have been longing for. If you have your Bibles, look there with me in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. as we read this Christmas story together. It says this, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Can you imagine that night? We read before chapter 2 in the book of Luke that angels had appeared to Mary and Joseph to tell them the truth that they were gonna be the parents of the savior of the world, that God himself was gonna do something incredible, that through them would come the Messiah, the one who would save God's people. As we read in the story, it tells us that there was a time where there was a census that was being taken and Mary and Joseph go and they travel to Bethlehem for the census to be registered. And while they're there, the time comes for Mary to give birth. And then we have, after the birth, this incredibly vivid picture that is painted for us of the announcement of the Savior of the world's arrival. It tells us that it came to a group of lowly shepherds who were out in the field doing what they did every night before, keeping watch over the flock, and if you can imagine sitting out in that field with not a single light to, to obscure the stars of heaven and the incredibleness of that moment, it says that angels broke forth to proclaim that Jesus had come. I have always tried to set myself and to picture what could that have looked like? What could that moment have been like? The only place where I've ever seen it portrayed in such a way that I believe at least portrays the awe of the moment was when The Chosen had released their Christmas special years ago and they depicted this incredible scene of what it must have been like on that dark starry night when the host of heaven broke through the sky to pronounce Jesus' arrival. Let's watch it together. you even begin to imagine the significance of that moment of being one of those shepherds out in that field and seeing something so otherworldly something like you have never experienced before in your life can you imagine the terror that would overtake you as the sky burst forth not only with an angel to proclaim this news but then a multitude of the heavenly host singing And yet the message that this angel delivers is one not to bring fear, but to ultimately to bring peace. And you begin to realize that God has chosen you to be the initial recipient of the greatest news that the world would ever receive. You see, letter A, the angel's announcement to the shepherds was a clear proclamation that the answer to the hopeless condition for all of humanity had come. Listen again to the words of the angels. He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This is a significant moment for the entire world. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What the shepherds would have realized in that moment, at the speaking that the Messiah was here, was they would know that the cry of their heart, that the cry of the heart of every Jew who had ever been alive, that had been longing for hundreds of years for God to send someone to break them free from their oppressors, that the moment had come and they were the recipients of the news that he was here. And the angel says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests glory to God in the highest and on earth peace the thing that every human heart has been longing for since the fall of man and his sin against God in the Garden of Eden to find a sense of peace and to find a sense of purpose. The moment has come. But here's the deal, letter B, the greatest question in this moment was whether or not God's people would understand the very significance of this moment I can remember uh, this last summer when uh, my son Garrett's uh, Northview baseball team won the state championship, his uncle had flown out, uh, his uncle Dean had flown out from California uh, to come and to join us as a family uh, for that, to be there for the semifinal game, for the final game. It was incredible to have him there. And I can remember as the final game was wrapping up and we could tell that they were going to win the state championship, it was exciting. And I just turned to Dean, I looked at him and I was like, man, I am just so thankful that you would care so much much to be here in this moment with us. I mean, it's so special for Garrett. And he looked back at me and he looked at me and he said, you know, Rob, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. And then he asked me this question. He said, do you realize just how significant this moment is? He said, very few people will get this opportunity and for the few who do it is mostly a once in a lifetime opportunity how in the world could i miss it it is so significant you know when we say that something has great significance what we're saying is, is that it has a depth of value that it is sufficiently great that it is incredibly worthy of our attention And the question that's at hand for God's people was whether or not they would see the incredible value and worth of this baby, the savior, the Messiah that was born. But here's the problem. As we read scripture, we understand that what they believed was that worldly troubles were their hopeless condition. They were concerned most with Rome's rule over them. They wanted freedom from people that ruled them. They wanted worldly prosperity. They were caught up in their own worldly ambitions to the point that they even ignored the fact that the deepest need they had was for rescuing, not from worldly leaders, but from sin that they had given themselves over to time and time again throughout their history, separating themselves from God. Here's what's interesting to me as I ponder this question and I think about the significance of the moment. Here's a question for us to ponder. Have we also at times misunderstood the significance of this moment? Do we see God sending his son in our relationship with him as a way to have him better our lives? Is he just the one that keeps us from the fires of hell? Is he just in addition to the things that we're seeking to accomplish in life and there just to help us when our plans don't go the way that we want them to? Or is there a greater purpose? Is there something of greater significance that he wants us to realize about, the, about life that we have actually missed? Is it possible that you and I, at some point in our life, maybe even now, have invited him to join us in our own pursuits when in reality he came to show us that what he offers is better and that he truly desires to be the king of our lives? The great question was whether or not God's people and even us will understand the significance of the moment of the birth of Christ. And let her see the significance is clear. The Savior born in Bethlehem came to save people from their sin. The very thing that robbed us of our purpose and continues to do so today. Now I want you to think about this. What is the definition of purpose? What is the definition of purpose? You can write this down. The definition of purpose is original intent. When something has a purpose, we're talking about its original intent, why it was created. Now... I want you to see this book that I've got here. This is my big NIV exhaustive concordance. I got this book a number of years ago. And I want to tell you, like, just looking at it, there are a number of different purposes or uh, ways that you could actually take and use this incredibly large, audacious, and heavy book. You can use it, as I have seen some People in the past uh, on one of my staffs in California take it and put it on the ground and use it as a stepladder because they were a little bit short, and we're trying to reach something on a high shelf. You could take this and use this for a child as a makeshift high chair at the table, something I did once with my children using this very book. I could take it and use it to tear out the pages to start a fire. I could also take it and throw it as a person as a weapon, and let me tell you, it would be very successful in that usage. I could also use it to shove it under a couch that maybe was missing a leg in order to level it. I could use it for a number of different reasons, but its purpose, its original intent is to look up words and to see where they are in the Bible and their meaning and their significance. When we're talking about something's purpose, we're talking about its original intent, not the myriad of ways that we could use it, but what was its original intent? What I want us to catch this morning is that not only is purpose the original intent, and when we're seeking purpose, we should be seeking to understand the original intent of our lives. But what we also need to understand is that sin has actually robbed us of our purpose and original intent. I want you to think about what is sin The very purest definition of sin comes from the Greek word hamartia. The Greek word hamartia carries with it the idea of missing the mark. It's the picture of an archer who is aiming at a target and lets go of the arrow and completely misses what they're aiming at. Sin robs life of its meaning, of its purpose, and its fulfillment. It causes us to miss our original intent. One scholar said it this way, sin will promise you life, but what it delivers is death. That is why for so many people in this world, there's a sense of hopelessness. No matter how great your success, no matter what you pour your life into in this world and try to find your purpose, we are left with a sense of hopelessness and even disappointment. No matter how hard we strive to find purpose, we can never find it in the things of this world. But the hope that we celebrate at Christmas time of a Savior that has been born into the world who has come to take away our hopelessness is found in this. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Joseph, who is betrothed to Mary and finds out that she is pregnant, is beginning to wonder and ponder whether or not he should just leave her. He's afraid of what people may say or what they may think. And it tells us that an angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel says this, Do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived is by the Holy Spirit. But then he says, She will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Literally. He will save them from the very thing that has robbed them of their purpose and their original intent as creations of God. What Jesus did when he came and was born into this world is that he came to remove the very thing that has robbed us of our purpose. But you might ask the question, well, what is that purpose? And I believe that it is so clearly revealed in the words of the Apostle Paul, letter D, When we look at Romans 3.23, a passage that is so familiar to us as we share the gospel with people when he says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There it is. For all of us to see, all of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have missed the mark of our intended purpose in this life. All of us have sinned and have fallen short of what? God's glory. And in this, is revealed that what our sin has robbed us of, our true purpose, is God's glory. Letter E, what does Paul's statement, coupled with the birth of Christ and the reason that he came to remove sin, reveal to us about our purpose in life? That you were created for God's glory. That is your original intent. Our very God given purpose for life is that we were created for his glory. I believe that it was best summed up by a group of English and Scottish theologians in 1946 and 1947 when they wrote the Westminster Shorter Catechism that said that the chief end of man, that his very purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever that the original intent of man as God's creation was to bring God glory and to enjoy him forever. And in fulfilling that purpose, we would find complete fulfillment in the only one who can give us what our souls deeply long for. There was another man by the name years and years ago by the name of Blaise Pascal, who uh, you may know is famous for talking about the fact that there is a God-sized hole inside of every single man. And we seek to take and fill that hole with so many things, but we never seem to find success in doing so because it is a hole that can only be filled by God. And in explaining this truth, he wrote these words so eloquently to help us to understand our longing in this life, but our desperate need for God. He says this, man without faith, Can know neither true good nor justice. All men in this life seek happiness. There are no exceptions. However different the means that they may employ, we all strive towards this goal. This is the motive of every act of man, including those who go and hang themselves. Yet for very many years no one without faith has ever reached the goal which everyone is continually aiming. All men complain. Princes, subjects, nobles, commoners, old, young, strong, weak, learned, ignorant, healthy, sick in every country at every time of all ages and all conditions. A test which has gone on so long without pause or change really ought to convince us that we are incapable of attaining the good by our own effort. So while the present never satisfies us, experience deceives us and leads us on from one misfortune to another until death comes as the ultimate and eternal climax. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find and those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Our hearts and our souls have a God-shaped hole That though we try to find fulfillment in so many things in this world, as he says, we have tried for centuries to fill it. And no man has been successful outside of finding God himself. And why? Because each of us was created with a very distinct purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory to God. We were created for God's glory And it is only when we glorify God that we find our purpose in life and true fulfillment. In the great things that we accomplish and in the mundane tasks that we face, and even as we walk through the trials of life, we find our fulfillment in bringing glory to God in all of it. When we think about this then, if our purpose is to bring God glory, what does it mean that our purpose is to glorify God? What does it mean? Letter A, it means this, three things. It means that we are first not striving to take his glory. We're not striving to take God's glory. Now let's be honest, nobody loves a glory hog, right? I can remember when I was in high school, one of the things I used to do with my friends is I would go out to a local park play pickup basketball. A lot of times there were people that were way better than we were uh, when we were playing at this park. Some of the guys, two of them in particular, uh, were pretty noteworthy players for the UCLA basketball team, went on to play in the NBA and even played overseas for a time. But we would go out and play. And one of the interesting things is is you could always pick out who the glory hog was, right? The glory hog on the basketball court was the person that was always unwilling to give up the basketball. They wanted to hold it. They wanted to shoot it. They didn't want to pass it. And then they would walk around. thumping their chests about how great they were and wanted everybody to recognize and to see that, that they were the greatest. We get what a glory hog is. Maybe even at work you have that experience. Maybe you know somebody at work and you're like, yeah, I can think of that person, the person that likes to always talk about their accolades and to really lift themselves up, you know, always trying to make themselves look good and important. You know, we can figure out who glory hogs are in our life. But before we start looking at the plank in other people's eyes, we should take a really close look at ourselves. Because when we read the Bible, it tells us before the fall of mankind, when Adam and Eve first sinned against God in the garden, it tells us that we were in a perfectly God-centered relationship. We were perfectly God-centered beings. And yet, after the fall, after sin came into the world and we decided to reject God, we went from being God-centered beings to being man-centered beings. And this is the plight of every human being that walks this planet. You see, in sin, our desire, as was Adam and Eve's, is to be like God. When Eve stood there with the serpent and the serpent looked at her and said, hey, you're not gonna die if you eat that fruit that God told you to eat. It says that Eve looks at it and it says, it looked good for food but also it looked really good for attaining wisdom. You see, the serpent had told her that lie, that if she were to take it, that she would be like God. And I can only imagine as she processes this and even processes it with Adam as he also takes the fruit and eat it, there was this sense of, we'll be like God. And mankind shifted from being God-centered to man-centered. Our desire was to be like him, literally to what? to take his glory, to not have to rely on him, the one who created us, but to rely on ourselves. And we became power hungry, wanting to be like and to have the glory of God. And any time in this life that we seek purpose and fulfillment outside of God's purpose for our lives, we are seeking to take his glory. And we have believed the age-old lie that we can find greater fulfillment on our own without God. What does it mean that the purpose of our life is to glorify God? Letter A, it means that we're not striving to take God's glory. Letter B, it also means that we're not striving to make God more glorious. A very simple truth, but an important one. That God is already glorious simply by the nature of who he is as the one who created all things, who has power over all things, the one whom the Bible says that nothing in this life happens outside of his hand's allowance, that God is already glorious simply by nature of who he is, and there is nothing that we can add to the worth of God by what we do, or even by what we say. And so, what does it mean that our purpose is to glorify God? It means we're not striving to take His glory. It also means we're not striving to make God more glorious. But literally, let her see, it means that we love God so much that our lives become a reflection of His glory. To glorify God means that our lives are a reflection of how good and how glorious God is. Practically, I want you to think of it this way. How do you glorify other things in your lives? How do you show people that you love your music or that you love your video games or that you love your favorite sports teams or that you love your families? How do you show how things, how we glorify other things by our enjoyment of them? by the time that we invest in them, by the passion with which we encourage others to love them as well. And dare I say, if we reflected God's glory with the same passion that we do for Ohio State or Michigan football or our favorite video games or music, et cetera, you name it, the world would no doubt, have no doubt about how good our God is. And I venture to guess that our evangelism would look drastically different. This is probably, to be honest with you, As I look at the Christmas story, it's my actual favorite part, is that the shepherds, after they see Jesus, they receive this pronouncement from heaven. They run and they find Jesus and his parents. As I think about the response that they have to everything that they have witnessed, to the news that they have received and now embrace, I want to be like the shepherds so overwhelmed by what I've seen and experienced in Jesus that my response is this, that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. You see, what does it mean that our purpose is to glorify God? It means we're not trying to take God's glory We're not necessarily trying to add to his glory because we can't. It means that we love God so much that we have embraced what he has done for us to such a deep level that we seek to be a pure reflection of his glory and to share that glory with other people. So how do we reflect God's glory? Two things for you this morning. Number one, I want to encourage you to stop searching for your purpose. You're not going to find that in many self-help books, by the way. Stop searching for your purpose. We spend our lives trying to find purpose in so many things that will never give us what we are longing for. And then we question why it is that we come up empty or we feel like we can never quite find that thing that will give us that eternal sense of true purpose. Stop searching for your purpose. And letter B, start serving God's purpose for your life. How do we do that? Simple. By pursuing righteous living. Not because we're trying to please God or not because we can add something to God's glory. But we pursue righteous living in this life so that we are a reflection of God's glory. Love others. As Jesus taught us in the scripture, love others. It's something that is foreign in the world and culture that we live in today to love others unconditionally. Why? Why is this so important? So that our lives are a reflection of God's glory in the way that He has loved us. Extend grace even to those who are undeserving, because it's a reflection of God's glory. Prioritize being in community with the body of believers. Why? Because it's a reflection of God's glory to this world. Be generous with the resources that God has given to you because it's a reflection of his glory. Serve God's people and prioritize putting other people first because it's a reflection of God's glory. Share your faith even at great cost to your own name because it's a reflection of God's glory. In the big things and in the small mundane tasks of life, find your purpose in bringing glory to God because in the process you will then find that you will enjoy him forever and recognize that the things of this world will always fail you and will pass away. But what God offers to you in a restored relationship through his son, Jesus Christ, is the removal of sin, a right relationship with him where you reflect his glory and receive the promise of eternal life with him forever. That is God's good purpose for you. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. We search long and far, Lord, for so many things to fill our lives and to find a sense of purpose in this world. And we confess to you that we often look in this world and it doesn't surprise you, but we come up short every single time. Father, forgive us. Because even as your followers, we confess to you that we're often trying to find our purpose Our contentment, our security, and other things besides you. But this Christmas season, Father, would you make the cry of our heart that all I want for Christmas is your son, Jesus Christ. Because it is in him that I find my greatest contentment, that I find my ultimate security, and I find a purpose that is eternal and lasting when my life is a reflection of your glory. And I recognize the incredible gift that I've been given in your son that will also last for eternity. Lord, may you use these words to change the way that we live and the way that we see our lives. in everything we do from the small and mundane to the regular everyday tasks, to the job that we may choose, the school we may go to, the relationships that we enter into, whatever it may be that we do, May it always be done for your glory, and in that, God, may we find the purpose that ultimately will fill us in the way that our souls have longed for. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close our service this morning, just a few things we want to make you aware of that are coming up in this next week. And especially now that we have seen some snowfall this morning, want to remind you that uh, as we, especially as we approach our Christmas services, that throughout the winter, we do have a winter weather policy that is in place uh, where we will uh, be communicating if services were to get canceled, if the roads don't look good. One of the best ways to always find out and to see what's going on is you can go to our church website and you can find information there. If you've downloaded our app we're able to ping your phones and also let you know if uh, service have been canceled or moved back because of uh, weather uh, as well uh, you can also find it on social media on Facebook and so there are a number of ways that we strive to communicate that with you just encourage you to keep watch because the weather says comes as we approach our Christmas Eve services we might get hit with a lot of snow this year so uh, keep watch for that but I do want to remind you that this week we have multiple opportunities to continue to worship together and remember what Christ has done for us in his coming into this earth. Our Christmas Eve services begin Friday at uh, 7 p.m. here at the church. Uh, we have one service that uh, this Friday, the 23rd. Would love for you to come and join us for just a very special time of worship together. Uh, as well, on December 24th, we have one service at 4 p.m. And would invite you to also come and join us uh, that day as well. Uh, as you know, uh, we have uh, the doors of the church will be open. Open on Christmas morning at 9 a.m. for those who wish to gather together. And yet, in our recognition that there are a lot of different schedules and things going on with family, we have created a very special streaming service uh, that will be available at 7 a.m. and all throughout the day on YouTube or even on our Westgate uh, uh, webpage. And so, please be sure to check that out. Can I just encourage you, whether you gather in person or whether you go out and stay home and do church there, will you prioritize Christmas morning? gathering with your family and remembering what it is all about. Just don't get into the traditions and forgetting. Spend time to gather together and to worship Christ our Savior. As well, I want to remind you about one other thing, that coming up January 1st, uh, we're going to have just one service that morning at 10.45 a.m. There will be children's programming uh, that is available, and so we're excited for that. But also, we're going to open up our doors at 10 a.m. that morning and have a time of Hangout and Connect, where we'll have some, I said cookies earlier, but I don't know if we do cookies at 10 a.m. Maybe we do, but we'll definitely have some sort of beverages for you to enjoy and some sort of uh, breakfast-ish snacks, even if that's cookies. So we would love for you to come and just have the opportunity to connect with each other. Share the joy of what we've been through in this Christmas season, the joy of moving into a new year, Uh, especially if you're new, a great time to come and meet new people and get connected. So keep that in the back of your minds. January 1st, one service at 1045, doors open at 10 for us to hang out and connect with each other. That being said, church family, we have got an incredible week to go and to worship the Lord. Can I exhort you this morning? that as you go to remember that God has placed a ultimate purpose, original intent on your life. And that is intent, is that in everything you do, that you would do it for the glory of God. Father, I pray over this congregation that you would continue to sow that truth deep within our hearts, that amidst a culture and even a Christian culture, at times this has muddied what our ultimate purpose is. Father, would you remind us through your word and through the life of your son, that we are created to be a reflection of your goodness and your glory. And so I pray over every person here that even this week, as we continue to reflect on all you've done in sending your son, Jesus, that you would take us to a deeper place in our walk with you, a deeper place of submission, and that, Father, you would take and use our lives to be a reflection of your goodness to the world that surrounds us that needs to know you. And would you receive glory in that? We give you thanks, Lord, and we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have a need for prayer this morning, uh, we have got our prayer team that is here up front and would love the opportunity to pray with you, so please come join them. God bless your church family. Have a great week serving the Lord.